listening to episode 309 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined on this Sunday morning, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we continue our journey with season two of the German Netflix series Dark. And, dude, a lot going on this morning. Yeah, it's a busy weekend, uh, which is unusual as it's summertime and I'm a teacher, so usually busy is not you know, a, a word I use much uh, for the months of July and August, but... Uh, you know, we got U.S. playing the Netherlands in the World Cup, and we got recording to do. We got field hockey and lacrosse tournaments tomorrow, so all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and apparently Fred's not that big a soccer fan. I did uh, message him about the match that, as you said, between the U.S. women and the uh, team from the Netherlands in the World Cup final. Well, honestly, but, uh, I'm not either. I, I really don't even like soccer even a little bit, but... You know, I mean, there is something special about the World Cup and, you know, it is, you know, you got to support the the national team. So, and my wife's into uh, it, an, so she played soccer, yeah, okay. so. Well, I'm going to go watch paint dry in my uh, kitchen. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't mentioned our Patreon account in a while, and we want to thank our Patreon patrons, Fred from the Netherlands, Dan, Cindy, Mike, and you know, if you're interested, you can go to our website and there's a link on the right side of the page. You can go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. And, and of course, this account helps defray the costs of producing sci-fi TV rewatch because unfortunately it's not free. And we do offer our patrons you know a little bonus that that if you are at the dollar a month will cover any episode of any genre show you choose the next level the film critic patron uh, will cover any genre film of your choice and then at the foundation level we'll uh, publish a podcast that covers the genre show episode of your choice or the genre film of your choice and then additionally we'll produce and publish a podcast that explores any top 10 list related to genre TV. For example, our top 10 favorite genre actors or our top 10 favorite series set in space, top 10 favorite supernatural series, top 10 science fiction films, just some possibilities. So uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, we would appreciate it. Uh, episode feedback questions for the two of us. Email goes to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip the way Fred does each week and send us the MP3 as an attachment. But we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group, get into the discussions there. And just the only news I want to bring up, and I think I mentioned it last week, that filming for season three has apparently begun and some of the actors have photographs, a little bit of information on their Instagram pages. So I'll probably put a link on the Facebook group for that. At this point, I, I don't want to see anything because obviously I'm not finished season two yet. Right. Well, also, you know, we did a whole podcast on a trailer that was released earlier and it appears that that trailer is completely in total. There were some pictures that we've seen from dark season two, like of Jonas walking through uh, apocalyptic Winden. But, uh, you know, we did find for sure that that one picture of, uh, I can't, the act Oliver Minucci or thing, whatever, uh, you know, the guy who plays Ulrich standing between two burning pictures was from a, a different film. 
that the right. actor is in. So now, obviously, you know, you would say, oh, well, that was a complete waste of time. But I don't see it as such, Dave. I had a lot of fun doing that podcast, actually, and kind of breaking down the fake trailer. Um, I'm kind of interested in where some of those other images are from. Like, you know, if you remember the girl breaking the uh, ashtray on her head or something like that. Right. Um, that, you know, I might want to watch that movie anyway. That looked interesting. So uh, if anyone knows what uh, actual movies some of those images came from, uh, let me know. Uh, maybe someone just filmed his sister breaking an ashtray over her head. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's get to uh, Dark Episode 3 of Season 2 titled Ghosts, written by Yante Frisia and Mark O. Sang, who wrote three episodes together in Season 1, directed, as always, by Baron Bo Odar. And you mentioned, of course, the Ibsen play Ghosts last week, and it plays a bit of a role in this episode. I think that's certainly fair to say beyond simply the fact that Regina's reading it in class. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we have verification that that is the um, book she's reading because she's trying to find it. Um, you know, and I kind of you know, briefly mentioned the plot of the play last week. And so this idea that w the older generation's mistakes playing out on the younger generation, I, I, maybe we kind of, especially we really see the Tottenham family in this episode. You know, is it like Egon's mistakes that are, you know, then having ripple effects on Claudia and therefore Regina? We see at the end um, Claudia crying as she looks at the older Regina who is suffering from cancer. Um, you know, is that somehow her fault, you know, or something like that? Does she feel somehow, I guess, not her fault, but does she feel responsibility or guilt uh, for that? So, yeah, I don't know if we really see it per se in this episode, but they're certainly set things up, it seems like, uh, for, you know, future. Right. And there's also that phrase, ghosts from your past. And mm -hmm. obviously we're dealing with past, present and future here as well. Did I hear you say last time when you were talking about the play that that incest is an element in the play? Yes. So. Okay, like so, th there was this guy, Captain Alvig, who was a bit of a rake, and he had his wife who hated him, and then he has a son with that wife. Uh, the family had a maid, and the maid's husband is like a handyman who's going to like start some kind of store, I think, and is looking for money for that. And then he has the handyman has a daughter, the, and this is the daughter of the of the maid who is no longer with us. So, but anyway, so the the son and the the of Captain Alvig and the daughter of the maid uh are interested uh you know romantically. But then we find out in the play that she is the captain's illegitimate daughter. So he is actually in love with his half sister and her name is Regina too. Okay. And and I bring that up and I'm not going to get into the detail now, but it, it, at least for, for me, having only seen up to episode three, there is a couple and I, I'm just saying they're not necessarily a couple couple, but, but a, a male and a female that I'm wondering and, and, you know, maybe it's obvious who I'm referring to, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Obviously one of the 
theories that gets brought up in this episode, and, and certainly we, we've wrestled with it for a while, is the idea of the bootstrap paradox mm-hmm. in, in time travel stories where an object or information from the future is brought back to the past and then somehow used to develop something. Uh, what I find fascinating about is that the origin of the object eventually becomes rather murky and that, you know, certainly what came first, the chicken or the egg, it is almost like that. So obviously we're referring to the blueprints for the time machine. From whom did older Claudia obtain the original blueprints? I mean, I don't know if we find that out in the rest of season two. Well, yeah, and it's, it, but it's, you know, it's all with Tanhouse, right? Because the, the machine itself, he... You know, yeah, like he creates from the blueprints and by reverse engineering or whatever, you know, the, the machine. And then he gives it to Claudia, who then returns and presents it to the younger Tanhouse, who then, you, you know, reverse engineers it and everything. And it's the same thing with the book that he wrote, right? Uh, right. She gives him the book that he will write in the future. So, you know, like you said, again, that uh bootstrap paradox right where does the book actually come from he was given the book he never had to think it up or anything like that or did he think it up you know it's 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 crazy there's just there's just no that's why i think time travel could not like actually physically be possible because it's just too darn confusing right and still that's something that that does plague my uh my mind at this point who developed the original blueprints who wrote the book did he actually write it or did he simply have his name attached to it and i i guess he wrote it but anyway well well Well, he wrote it but then he wrote it from the book that he was given that he wrote right (laughs) right right um now we hear mentioned twice at least the white devil and I don't recall having heard that before. Did I just miss it, or, or is this I, the first I don't time think we're hearing you missed it? it. I, I didn't recall hearing it earlier either. Okay, I don't know if and, we heard I it really, last episode. Maybe one. I don't know, but it's not something. It definitely gets more play here. It's brought to the forefront. Whereas if it, it was even mentioned before, uh, it was something we easily would have missed. Okay. And at this point, I really don't have any idea of where we're headed with that. Obviously, there are the religious overtones and undertones that have to do with Noah. But at this point, I guess it's going to remain an unknown. Yeah, well, it's just just really quickly to comment on that, because, you know, in America, especially the term white devil has a very strong racial connotation to it. That I obviously I don't think that's what they're getting at in, you know, like it's a, a term used to generically talk about you know the evil that white people have perpetrated in America, uh, to uh, you know especially the African American race, but you know so that, that is clearly not like I don't and so it is it's almost difficult to to process that phrase and not think of it in racial terms here in America, but that's clearly not what they're getting at here. That's not what they mean. They, they just mean a devil, and then somehow they're associating it with the color white, um, which is seems almost a paradoxical kind of 
image because we usually think of the devil as being like in red or something, right? Sure, red or even black in, in terms of uh, you know color scheme with with like Prince uh, of Darkness or something like that. Yes, really. exactly, exactly. Now the other thing that's still really confusing me, and I don't know if we gain clarity throughout the rest of the season, the idea of these cycles that have run their course and we're told that a, a new cycle is about to begin and what exactly does that mean i mean again i don't want you to necessarily tell me the answer but it is it, is it something we understand a lot better than we do at this point um we, we, yeah we'll, we'll come to understand more i i don't know like and again, like having watched it a couple of weeks ago, some of the now some of the finer details maybe start to fade a little bit. But I, I don't think I, I completely, even at the end, it's a hundred percent understand what the deal is with with the cycles and and how that plays into the overall big picture. And we do know that they refer to the seasons as cycles, right? Okay. Like, sure. like if in the the actually the official trailer, I think it says something like, you know, there'll be three cycles, not three seasons. So, um, you know, but the, it's it's this idea that we see, which really, really we see in this episode. I mean that that theme of of this cyclical nature of time and things keep coming back and things happening because they have already happened. They always will happen. Things like that. But but yeah, you're right. It seems like there's three different quote unquote cycles going on. So yeah, I, I don't know. So it seems as if one side is trying to alter the cycle, or I guess maybe it's fair to even say break the loop. And at this point, you know, even though it seems as if one side is trying to do you know, the breaking of the loop and the other side's trying to maintain it. I'm not even sure I, I, I know that. So again, we'll hold that for now, but it does seem to be a little more clear, a little more delineated. Helga tells Claudia to never trust Noah. And that takes place in 1987. Right. Agnes seems to now be working against Noah and with Claudia, but then she sort of betrays Claudia at the end. And, but does she, though? Well, exactly. And in my notes, I have, or so it seems. Right. So I'm not exactly sure there. But again, this episode is so Claudia-centric as well as Egon-centric, which is certainly a nice touch because we see Egon in – a completely different light. Um, I don't see a completely and, different light, but we definitely see more facets of, of Egon's character. Well, well, I started wondering whether or not this is some sort of a redemption arc for Egon, because the Egon we see in season one is, is this almost buffoonish character who can't get to the end of his work cycle, if you will, so that he can retire he he doesn't care about his job he drinks he he's just a really unpleasant individual and we don't see that as much and and maybe we even get some understanding of what led him to be that way 
and if everything holds true i mean it apparently is that he neglects his wife uh we certainly have seen him neglect his job in, in later years but old claudia implies that he got caught in the crossfire so one of the questions i have as we get into the rest of the season what happened to lead him to become the man that we see in season one and you know we, we get a you know, a little bit of taste of that in episode three. Yeah, certainly, you know, old, young Ulrich taunts uh, Egon about his wife leaving him. <clears throat> and um, so we can maybe see the the seeds of, you know, how that happened uh, early here. Even Egon himself, I think, sees the seeds of, of that happening here. Uh, I, I think Egon... You know, he is, especially older Egon, is really kind of following this thread. Like, he's finally getting it. But, like, in the end, what does he do? You know? Like, yeah. in the end, does he... He. It seems like he... Well, I, it's pretty sure he understands that this Ulrich Nilsson old man in front of him is Ulrich Nilsson. He shows him... He shows him Mikkel's picture, and then Ulrich immediately reacts. So, clearly... You know, someone from 1980s, well, you know, like, although I guess Ulrich, I'm sorry, Egon doesn't 100% know who um, Mikkel is, except that, remember, Mikkel did say that Ulrich was his dad when Egon first questions him when Mikkel first got to 1986. So he has this kid claiming to be Ulrich's child from the future. Now he has an old Ulrich claiming to be from the future. He shows him the picture of the kid. Ulrich reacts. So even someone as thick as Egon would probably start to figure something out here. But he, I don't know if he quite gets there. And if he, even if he does get there, he doesn't do anything to help either Mikkel or Ulrich. Okay, but I don't think he's quite ready to take the time travel leap quite yet. Right, but it seems like he's getting close. Okay. And if he watched more okay. sci-fi, he probably would have gone there. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> now, you know, as you mentioned, Ulrich at least now knows what happened to Mikkel. And I don't know whether that's going to give him any comfort. It, it certainly seems that the knowledge, I think, is what aggravates him more than the fact that his son is here in... in uh, in this time period, at least he knows his son is safe. The yeah. aggravation is over, you know, why you didn't tell me. And, and of course, my response is, why on earth would you think he would tell you? Yeah. What reason would <laughs> exactly. he have? Exactly, right. Hey, we got a, a kid who showed up here who no one knows where he is. Let's go tell the crazy guy has been locked up for 30 years. <laughs> right. Like, so nah. the other thing that occurs to me in this episode has to do with the parentage of a few of the characters. I mean, we see right. Tronte and Claudia and we know they later have an affair in the eighties. We don't really know who Tronte's father is. Right. And that's what I was getting at earlier in the discussion. I know that we learn Noah is Agnes's brother. Yes. But I've also seen game of Thrones. So, Right. I I just wonder it's, <laughs> yes. it's I, 
I don't know. You know, and, and then that yeah. begs the question because we assumed that her husband was a Nielsen. And right. now, especially given that this is dark, I, I don't think that's an assumption we can really make. Yeah, well, there's a number, and Fred mentioned this before too, but I had this in my notes, so I'm not poaching from you, Fred. I, I, yeah, I think we, we see, especially in this episode, it really does focus in on the missing parents here, right? Yes, like, right. Like you said, obviously, Tronte's dad. Who is his dad? They've mentioned him a couple times. Seems like, the obviously, the marriage wasn't great. I think there was some suggestion of abuse we had speculated on it being noah i would kind of say a negative on noah just because you know he he like he actually seems like he behaves kind of as a you know i guess we never really figured out whether he was a catholic or a, a protestant um priest Helga's mom, right, kind of comes on to him a little bit, and he definitely backs off, right? So he doesn't seem like he's that kind of a guy where that interest. So I, I don't I don't see necessarily that. But you're right, Game of Thrones does kind of throw things, especially with, with time travel. I don't know. I just don't see it there. So I think we can probably, you know, knock that one out. But still, it leaves us the question, who is Tronte's dad? Now then that you know, let's follow this thread further, right? Who is, uh, like, well, Charlotte mentions that Tanhouse is her grandfather, right? Yes. But she doesn't know who her parents are. She doesn't know who her parents are. So there's two parents missing there with Charlotte. And then Noah says Charlotte's name at the end. We're like, well, why is it Charlotte? Like, that? you know, that's like the biggest, to me, the biggest loop that this episode threw us was he when he mentions Charlotte's name? Because why would he in 1954 be mentioning her? Obviously, of course, he's a time traveler, but I don't even know if those two have we've seen those two together ever at all, right? Yeah, um, sure. So two missing parents there, though that necessarily doesn't get displayed so much. Now there is Helga. I have cheekily mentioned before who would have a child by Helga. Not, you know, not, not saying anything, but I'm just saying he's not necessarily the most sought after husband material, right? Um, but he has a son, right? Uh, sure. And so there is a missing mother there. Um, and- well, there's also Helga's father who is missing because the mother has said in season one that he wasn't conceived in love, sort of implying that perhaps she was raped or, yes. or 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 something else but but we don't know who his father his biological father is right right and even burned who is the father we met is not in the picture and uh the mother says something about he's gone did he did something happen to burn that we didn't i, I can't remember uh, I, th- I guess i always thought he was just traveling or yeah that's what i kind of thought then she when she said that i was like wait did did something did i admit uh so i, I feel like there's there's one more I, I meant to talk about um no we, t- we said when well, regina then we said we don't know who uh regina's father is but you 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 know that's that's what kind of guys on this so there's just all these you know relationships yeah right there's these questions and you know normally i mean like not that 
it's this idea of in a town as insular as Winden, where everyone knows everyone else, and we see people from the future popping up in the past and everything like you're really anyone could be anyone at, you know at this point uh but the the fact that these omissions of parentage that we see here um really kind of become a lot more glaring in this episode yeah now we've only got two time periods that we're dealing with in this episode 1954 and 1987 and in that opening scene we're in 1987 because we immediately see the familiar wallpaper uh, from the bunker and Noah straps young Helga into the chair which appears to be a more elaborate time machine than we've seen previously it's actually now an enclosed chamber. I guess maybe this is just another variation on Claudia's blueprints. Again, I don't well, know if that's something we're going to learn. Yeah, that was the you know like the time machine that Noah was trying to make. Um, that was like powered by little boys, right, or something by young men or something like that. I don't know. I never really kind of figured out what that whole deal was with the the. Yeah, with Noah's version of the time machine. And, and especially now, it seems like with multiple, like, because again, like, we don't know if we see this suitcase that Claudia is carrying around 1987, but then, you know, um, Jonas has one in, you know, 2000, in 2020. You know, is it the same suitcase or. You know, so, or as we can see with this bootstrap paradox, can the same time machine suitcase exist in different places at different times, right? Well, we do know there are two machines, right? I thought, I thought we knew that. that yes, I think we do. There were two, two machines. So I guess I just assumed these were the two, but to speak to your question, can the same device appear in two different timelines at the same time yeah i would say yes right but let's go to 1954 we see that that opening scene where claudia comes in finds her mother and agnes having just had sex and and we get that that camera shot looking down on claudia's mother and to me she looked very much like martha so i'm in, assuming at that point that that's Jonas under the dress, but, but of course it's not, but again, this is dark. So was I supposed to make a connection between the facial similarity between Claudia's mother and Martha? I mean, did you see that at all or not? Right away. Did not necessarily see, but now you say it, I kind of, you know, I mean, I see where you're getting at there. Uh, but no, I, I didn't make that connection. Okay. But that was now, awkward scene there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, the, the big event in the 1954 timeline is the return of young Helga, who's been missing for seven months. And, and you know, we go back, Ulrich traveled through time, beat the crap out of him, left him presumably to die in the bunker. He gets sent through time to 1987. But what I noticed Number one, he's been gone seven months. He obviously looks good. His clothes, which are clearly from 1954, look perfect, perfectly yep. clean, perfectly laundered. So I'm wondering, did he wear this 
set of clothes for seven months? Or is it something like, well, he's been gone for seven months in 1954 time, but he hasn't been gone that long in 1987 time. Exactly, right. He could have been gone just like a day or two and been sent back just seven months later. Right. Um, But he hasn't spoken since he's returned. And again, I, you know, I keep bringing up uh, Game of Thrones, but, but it's almost like his mother's attitude towards him reminds me of uh, Catelyn Stark with Jon Snow that, that treating him like this, this bastard. And that even though she gave birth to little Helga, I mean, how, how could she be that cruel? Yeah. Again, and you know, we talk about parents and, you know, the, the ghosts and all this stuff about how the one generation affects the next. And yeah, you're right. It's awful. I mean, he's just a little kid here and the mother is, Definitely not a warm, loving mother. Um, you know, she reads from you know the scripture, or whatever, or or you know, it's I guess Noah maybe is reading, it and she's kind of shaking her head. Yeah, well, she's doing. She starts quoting scripture. So, on the, you haven't seen The Handmaid's Tale, have you? Well, season one. Okay, so well, you know, like all the people with all the under his eye and all this religious stuff that's going on there in Gilead, I I get that kind of same religious zealotry maybe from Helga's mom as well. Okay. And, and then it also begs the question, when Noah comes to their home and, and asks his mother for help, and we see Helga run immediately to Noah and hug him, so has Noah brainwashed the young boy in the time that he had him in 1987. I mean, that seems to be what makes the most sense because clearly he's happy to see him. And Noah asks him to read a passage from the Bible, which he does, which then thrills his mother who sees this as some kind of a miracle. But I guess I go back to wondering about their relationship in 1987 and how long the two were actually together there. And that actually it said that you could go back anytime, but it doesn't seem like the, the time machine does. I think it takes you back to that day that you are right. But you know, 30 That's what years I thought. earlier. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, I guess we assume that Noah has had Helga for like seven months. Right. That's my assumption. And, you know, to speak to the issue about the clothes, uh, you know, maybe I'm traveling into the weeds too much. But what the hell is going on with young Claudia and Tronte as they're walking to school Uh, together? And and she starts asking questions about his mom. And, and, you know, he says that his mom was sad all the time and that he lived in a home, which then seems to imply that perhaps his mother was institutionalized for a while and that that he was a ward of the of the state or or the city or 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 whatever. And, And then, as you said, suddenly it's like, okay, will you show it to me now? And he drops his pants and. I guess she liked what she saw back then and remembered (laughs) once they got older. But again, I don't know what the point of that scene was other than to establish the the details about his mother and 
her emotional state. Um, yeah, that. definitely. Oh, I think, as I said, I think it, it kind of highlights by omission because, you know, we real once again, Tronte kind of dodges questions about his dad. Right. So right. as we did before, it only makes us wonder even more who his dad is. The whole dropping his pants thing, like, I, I am not sure what that's all about, except to maybe just remind us that Claudia and Tronte had a thing in the future or to kind of maybe sow the seeds of, of that uh, future relationship, but don't know. Yeah. Um, but then we see the scene with Agnes in 1954 going to the bunker where she meets old Claudia. So clearly these two have had a relationship for a while now mm-hmm. and she's told that they sent Helga back. Noah has also returned and Agnes says she's not afraid of Noah. And and we piece together through this conversation that, that she and Noah are brother and sister. And and then this is the first time we hear about the fact that they're preparing the next cycle again, implying that there is a, a measure of control in these loops. So, who is doing the controlling? Is it Adam, who who we met last week? But I, I love when she tells her, though, that my mother loves you and would make you happy. This is older Claudia telling Agnes. So, you know, when we wonder, okay, we know Egon's wife leaves him. For whom does she leave him? And, right. you know, we wonder if if we have our answer here. Well, and she also but, says uh, she'll make you happy if you let her, which seems yes. like, so, it, you know, it, it almost like Agnes has a choice in this and which is kind of against what Claudia, her whole philosophical worldview, which is that we don't really have choices. We just do the things that are meant to be done and the things that always have been done. So, but but yet, to me, you know that that statement, my mother will make you very happy if you let her. Maybe suggests that there is some possibility that she wouldn't let her, and that there is choice involved here. Okay, all right. I now, speaking of cho- speaking of choice, you you know we learned that Ulrich has been drugged, restrained in his cell. So is this? because he's telling them he's a time traveler from the future, or is he just so combative that they have to sedate him? Yeah, I, having it could been, be either, because we've seen both, right? Right, and having been a police officer himself, how could you not know that this was going to be the end result, even in 1954? So, you know, we know he's been there for seven months at this point, still hasn't said anything, a lot like uh, Helga, who's returned after seven months and, and doesn't speak until Noah arrives. But uh, again, I'm just trying to get inside Ulrich's head. Why would you take this approach? So, yeah, um, you know, actually, when I think about because you're right that they said that he hasn't spoken at all. So I think it's he hasn't been saying anything about time travel, but. But yeah, and, and we know he is very combative and, and is very emotional and has trouble keeping things in check. So 
hence the uh you know being locked up and everything they don't really have any kind of like evidence on him you know like it doesn't seem like he had any kind of trial or anything like that he's just locked up and they think he's a crazy person because they think he killed these kids but like there's there's you know it just it's i guess it would be to make it frustrating for the audience and certainly for Ulrich that that he's in this situation um but yeah you're right like being a police officer you think maybe he'd you know be able to figure a way out of there or some maybe even like a legal way well right it, it just a, a calmer approach because as you say there's really no hard evidence that links him to the deaths of those two boys and we know that helga granted we know that he beat the crap out of young helga right. but helga's gone so so again there's no evidence there uh either yeah yeah because so. helga's helga's back right so he didn't kill helga helga is right there so there's no you know like they don't have that on him either so why is this guy locked up you know right right now now we get that great scene in which noah finds his sister waiting for him in the church and and his response to her if you think adam's going to take you back you're wrong you've chosen your side that you know we mentioned at the beginning of the discussion that we still don't necessarily know it unless i missed it which is certainly possible so i'm watching this a second time i'm thinking all right i've got all my notes i'm watching it again and you know filling in things here and there i'm not sure i understand it any better than i did after one watch so again i guess what i'm saying is it's it's certainly easy to miss things we don't know which side wants to break the loop and which side wants to keep it going the way you know it has been yeah but she tell i'm sorry go ahead no, go ahead. Well, I just said we don't know like what Adam's deal is because Noah says like he won't take you back. So that seems like you know. So it just seems like we got Adam's, which we thought was no. Like we said, Noah is Darth Vader and Adam is the Emperor, right? We used to think Noah was the guy running the show, but he's not. He's just the henchman. Um, so it seems like we got Adam on the one side, Claudia on the other. Agnes apparently at one time worked for adam's side but now no longer does but then she says here she wants to come back she gives noah the paper that claudia or it looks like she gives him the paper that claudia meant for agnes to give to her like claudia's younger self Um, right but then she then later on pulls another piece of like she has like the she must have when does she have stuff down that broad day she just keeps pulling stuff out of it you know um well she just shows it to him i don't think she gives it to him although i could be wrong oh okay that could be it too well either way it seems like a betrayal right as you had said before of of claudia and then later uh noah lies to adam yeah. Right. That right about the missing pages yeah. and and in fact that's you know what what she's using as her bargaining chip that I know where the missing pages are and and, and of course she knows that Adam is interested in, in those missing pages. And and of course that's one of the frustrating things in episode 3 is that we we get a brief glimpse of these pages and we see Noah's reaction but we really don't know 
what's on them. And even when you freeze it and you stand in front of your, you know, 55 inch television, you still can't really <laughs> see anything. Plus it would right. probably be in German anyway. Exactly. But it seems like it has something to do with Charlotte. And we saw Charlotte reacting to, I, again, is it the same pages? I don't know. When she's going through Jonas's stuff, um, when they're interviewing Regina, you know, we see her react and then she just leaves Klaus in there to, you know, Uber at home. So, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of people seeing these pages and reacting. Well, I, and actually, I don't know if Charlotte was reacting to these pages per se, but, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the people are looking at paper and it's affecting them tremendously. And that just doesn't happen much in the digital age anymore, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Now, on the one hand, the thing about Claudia's eyes being different colors obviously becomes part of this episode. And sometimes I get the feeling that the writers are pushing some things too far, too hard. And, and I'm still a little bit torn about how I feel the, uh, I feel about this. But but old Claudia goes to see Egon, who, uh, of course, is her father, and he does not recognize her. But he does notice that her eyes are different colors, like his daughter's. And, 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 and of course, there's no reason he would make that connection that, oh, you must be my daughter from the future. But Speaking cryptically, she tells him she's sorry the way things have transpired. And, you know, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but it sets up that later scene when she uses the exact same language, which, you know, is, is pretty cool with, with, uh, yeah. Egon. Well, and it's certainly the older Claudia, you know, kind of left that as like a hint, right? She goes to see her dad. She uses the exact words that, she knows she used back then. Um, right. And so, you know, Egon's got this old lady with heterochromia uh, saying the exact same words that his daughter, who has heterochromia, will say to him. So that's why I think, you know, he is maybe piecing together the time travel stuff. But again, for Egon, it's just, it's just not coming. You know, it's just not getting there. Right. And I wonder if it's these words that haunt him for the rest of his life, that you're too good a person, the world doesn't deserve you. And again, it, it he certainly recognizes you know the, the, the problem, even paradox, if you will, between two people of this wide range in age with the same, issue with their eyes you said it, i forgot i didn't have it in my notes but what does that mean and you just got to wonder whether he ever pieces together the time travel thing or not it, it it definitely has to bother him i mean how could it not yeah well absolutely it's definitely freaky but yeah you know probably like you know humans have a great ability to ignore things like that and just say well wow, that's really weird and you know, maybe he'll, you know, at some party in the future, he'll tell his friends, hey, man, this crazy thing happened to me. But yeah, he definitely doesn't, you know, put any stock into it. Well, a little bit more than being kind of shocked when it happens. Right. Um, now, now, the one scene that I'm still 
unclear on, you know, old Claudia goes to see Tanhouse, who's in the early stages of building the device, whose purpose he still doesn't know. And she gives him a copy of the book that he hasn't yet written, tells him this is all going to be ending soon. But he says he's seen it before. And I'm wondering, when? Did I miss that? I mean, this is 1954. When has he seen it before? Because Joe just gave him the book back in season one. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, this copy, I think, is rather worn. One of them was worn. One of them was, I think, newish. But uh, all right. So then we, we get that scene. Noah pulls the shotgun. Right, well, well, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Just to, to jump on that real quick. Because, yeah. yeah, the one that Claudia gives him is new. It's because it's the one that Helge gave her for her birthday in season one right because he even has like two claudia from hellgate in there um the one that jonas gave tan house because it's the older jonas gave it to him um and it's all worn because he's been carrying it around the apocalypse for a while okay so does it still have the inscription that's a good question probably uh, okay all right um all right so noah pulls the shotgun on old claudia and implies that she's been manipulating him. So did he follow her at one time? And I think that seems to make sense. But but again, we hear about this paradise that Adam is promising. She says it's an illusion. And then, of course, he just shoots her with the shotgun. She falls back. You know, I wasn't shocked that he shot her. Her calm demeanor seemed to imply that she knew it was coming so as a viewer i guess i was kind of ready that it that it's going to come as well it's a very but, ben kenobi-ish type scene you know yes like you can but, strike me down but i'll only become more powerful type thing right so noah's got the missing pages and then we have to go back well was that part of the plan did agnes really betray her or is this all part of the intricate plan for Noah to get the pages? Well, the knowing thing is, that Noah is, if if Claudia didn't want to get killed, she could have just like not showed up. She gave uh, Agnes the newspaper article describing her death, so she knows that she is going to die there. She knows when and how she dies exactly, and she goes to that. Okay, so sacrificing herself for the greater good, I I hesitate to refer to her as a Christ figure, but it it does almost seem as if, as you say, she knows that this is when she's going to die and her death has to happen for everything else to happen. And again, we assume that she's on the good side. Well, but that yeah. may not be true. Maybe, yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't know. Well, exactly. Like terms like good and evil are, are. T- I mean, like it was easier in season one because, well, Noah is killing, you know, young boys. He, he's ca- kidnapping and killing, and that is clearly evil. And so we thought, well, Claudia seems to be opposing him, so she must be good but it you know maybe we die it becomes less so and now that we see noah is not the guy in charge like 
you know, how much is this Noah doing what he's doing because it's at his own discretion or is he being forced into this or, and then, you know, it's, yeah, it's just so just freaking complex. But what we do get for sure is Claudia who, you know, again, preaches that everything has to happen the way it always has or always will. And clearly as being a time traveler, she is traveled past her death so she knows when her death occurs it's it's almost it's very tralfamadorian i should say well has it has her death occurred before i mean has 80 year old claudia been shot with noah's shotgun before i mean you know you know what i'm saying yeah uh okay yes kind of okay Yes, you know kind of what I'm saying, or yes, you know the answer to that no, question. No, not, yes, I, I I know what you're saying. Uh, kind okay. of. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I I, I think it's just you know. So like in Slaughterhouse Five, you know, like the Tralfamadorians tell Billy Pilgrim that they see life as not as a single point, but as like looking at a uh, a landscape of the Rocky Mountains, right, where everything okay. that has happened and is happening and will happen they see it as one so you almost really get that sense because yes claudia is being killed here so it goes but she then still could be traveling to 2054 like but you know like obviously just as far as a linear person claudia dies here but but she still exists in other Time. Well, we know she exists in 1986 and 1987, so she's being shot in 1954, but yet she's in 1987 at some point and beyond, probably 2054 and beyond, you know? Right, right. And she will age and get shot again. Right. So, um, so basically what you're telling me is that Brandon Stark is a Trafalmadorian. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. That's, that All is. right. So uh, 1987, <laughs> we get that scene where Regina is scrambling around. I know I'm late, mom. You don't have to say anything. Uh, and she finds her copy of Ghosts. Claudia's got the time machine and asks her daughter to skip school, which naturally kind of freaks her daughter out because they don't have the closest relationship it seems and and again teenage daughter mom not unusual to uh you know be butting heads at that point but then mom tells her that her hair makes her look older and and of course we're not sure what this is all about the two hug but then it brings me to that later scene when claudia has traveled to 2020 and is looking on her older daughter, Regina, who removes her scarf to reveal the bald head. And, and, and I'm thinking that the lack of hair makes her look older. And, and these two scenes mm-hmm. are connected oh, in that way. Yeah. And it just, just kind of chilling. I even get chills right now, even thinking about it. But it's almost as if, Claudia is saying goodbye to her daughter in 1987 Mm -hmm. as if she's afraid something may go awry. And of course we know what she's going to do, 
And then her daughter says, I'm out of time. I have to go. And I'm thinking like, I love that line because again, we know she doesn't mean it the way we can interpret it, but still I I love the line. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Like I'm out of time. That's great. It's like the perfect line. Um, Yeah. I think you you pretty much nailed it there. Um, Well, coupled with that also is this, Look, Claudia seems to be carrying around a lot of of guilt, and when she's talking to Egon, she's like apologizing for something, you know. And we can see later just Egon getting caught up in all this, you know. Like, so is is does she feel bad because she got her dad caught up in all this, and he didn't deserve to be mi- mixed up with all this time travel stuff and everything? Does she feel some sense of, obviously there's this sense of, of maybe I wasn't there that much. I was working a lot when I was, when she was young and she was a kid and we never had a close relationship. Um, and she regrets that. Or is there, are there other things that she regrets that when she sees, uh, Regina and that she's suffering from cancer, does she, you know, is, is there, you know, are there, there's, there's tears kind of coupled with some, you know, some sense of guilt as well. Right. And we know that older Claudia and Agnes Nielsen are working together. Did Claudia place Agnes in Egon's home, setting up the relationship between the two women? You know, maybe that's part of what she's apologizing for. But Claudia goes to see Helga in the hospital and asks why he gave her the book that, that we've mentioned several times, you know, to, you know, basically recognize the fact that she's been named head of the power plant in, in 87. And that's when he brings up the whole struggle between good and evil. The travelers can undo everything that happens. If we succeed, none of it happens and tells her to never trust Noah. So it seems Again, I'm not sure we have any more clarity on who's trying to prevent the loop from continuing and who's trying to break it, but but clearly Helga knows something and and knows enough not to trust Noah. But again, is is that all a red herring? Is it going to turn out that Noah's the good guy and yeah, well, Claudia's Helga, like Egon, is someone who belatedly maybe tries to actually do something, but ineffectively so, right? I mean, Helga finally, as an old man, decides he's going to try and stop Noah, but doesn't work out. He just kills himself, basically. Right, um, right, right. So, you know, it's, you know, I, so I see these two characters as being very similar, guys who are caught up in it. Obviously, Helga is m- much more aware of the reality of what's going on than than Egan is, but, you know, guys who get caught up in this, who you know, could potentially have a, a chance to to fix it, but are either unwilling to or unable to do so. You know, and, and I wonder why Claudia's relationship with her father is so strained. You know, we see that scene in her office, and of course, he just wants to tell her about the cancer. So does this go back to when she was a child and, and found her mother with Agnes? Does... You know, is there 
information that that we don't have yet that that has caused their relationship to to become so strained you know i certainly we don't know at this point but you know we get a lot of scenes in this episode like claudia i'm sorry before you before you move on that dave i just want to say like yeah we do see a very it seems like they have a very close relationship when she's a child right like he comes in and like strokes her hair and calls her his princess and things like that so it seems like a normal like right dad close daughter close relationship there but yeah clearly when she gets to be older um and you know maybe it's just part of that part of of growing up and now you are like the parent and your parent is like the kid and now she's almost has to take care of egon um, and she's a busy person and got a lot of stuff getting thrown at her. It, but yeah, there's you know definitely a change in the relationship there. Okay. And, and you know, what I was going to say about the scenes where time traveler is meeting with a person that, you know, they've met before, but in different incarnations. So Claudia takes the time machine to Tanhouse, who says he knows her. Though she says she doesn't know him, and and of course he knows that old Claudia gave his 1953 version the blueprints for the machine. So you know, on and on it goes. But later, when Egon goes to see Ulrich in, in the hospital, and he brings up you know the uh, the heavy metal album, and you know the fact that the record hadn't been released, and we talked about that that last time, and. Ulrich finally reveals his name with the tagline, I come from the future. All right, fine. And then Egon, maybe doing his best police work ever, goes to see Ines. And when she refuses to let him speak to Michael, she claims he's sleeping. And, you know, again, I'll take him, take her at her word. He asks if he's mentioned his parents' name and asks if he she has a photo of Michael just for the file they they both say right. several times and you know we see where this is headed and then we get that great scene when he shows Ulrich Mickel's photo you know the one he got from Ines and you know that that line that we mentioned earlier you knew and didn't tell me as i'm thinking like well, why on earth would he tell you yeah so exactly but I'm wondering, though, why does Ulrich still have the photo? Because we see later Egon has left and Ulrich's in his cell and he's holding the photo. Right. Well, Egon left him the photo. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, obviously he did. I, I guess I, I'm questioning why. Right. Well, so, I mean, either one of two things. Like, he either did it to taunt him because he figured out, hey, I, you know, you know, this is your kid. You guys are from the future and your kid's here. And guess what? You can't do anything about it. Here's the photo or out of humanity. Like here's, you know, here's something for your kid. You know, I don't, you're, but it's, yeah, it's definitely unclear as to why exactly. Well, because if you take that reasoning that he's doing it, you know, as a humanitarian gesture, then he's accepting that this, 75 80 year old man has an 11 year old son you know right i mean right well he's he's accepting if if it is a humanity then he's accepting time travel right 
All right. So speaking of time travel, we leave 1987 Claudia, I guess, adult Claudia. She's in 2020, so we don't know necessarily how long she's going to stay in in 2020 and whether she's going to uh, contact her daughter, Regina, who's now suffering from cancer. And and this whole idea of cancer, you know, continues to come up. Uh, Anything else you want to bring up before we listen to Fred's feedback? There's a lot. I mean, there's just so much. And for an episode that, like, as far as if you look at, like, action, there's, like, zero action in this. But as far as, you know, except for, you know, you know the, the Tronte-Claudia action going on there. But, um, but, but there's just so much going on here. Like, you know, just they, they've really advanced the ball, like, I guess, you know, psychically and philosophically, maybe, I guess. Um, right. That was just a lot, very, very in-depth episode. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred has to say, and then we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Dark Season 2, Episode 3. I'm a little bit under pressure because you made your deadline two days earlier, and I was also planning my trip to the U.S. at the end of October. I will... Uh, attend the Urpapalooza fan convention about Winona Earp in St. Louis. I'm very excited about that, and I also will meet Steve Sellier and perhaps even Sean of the Sci-Fi Talk podcast, one of the other podcasts I give feedback to. And on my way back to the Netherlands, I will take some extra days in the Baltimore area uh, just to visit you, and I'm also excited about that, so... I had to arrange all travel stuff and uh, having this uh, early deadline. So perhaps this time my feedback will be a little shorter. First off, shortly coming back to the podcast of last week. And Dave, I fully agree on the fact that Jonas is able to operate all these machines in the nuclear plant. And is going to generate these beams that stabilize the cold particle. I thought exactly the same as you did. What? He, just as a regular high school student, what? And although he is following Claudia's instruction, still. One other thing from that episode that is that in 1987, Katerina is bumping up into Mikkel. His mother actually is bumping up to him and says douchebag. And you wanted to know how it would sound in German. And did you look it up, Wayne? Here it is. My wife being German, I do know a lot of German swear words, but I didn't know the word speck as translation for, or actually as the original for douchebag. But speck actually means a very skinny, skinny child, skinny person. So I had to look it up in some urban dictionaries and found it's more like chicken legs or you twig, something like that. So a little different than douchebag. And then my wife came home and I asked her and she said she didn't know the word spuck. So meaning skinny, etc. But she did know the word spucken and spucken is indeed more douchebag, idiot, uh, fool. Etc. When I looked it up better, I saw that the word spuck is from northern Germany. So, one of both. 
And sorry about me calling Mikkel Mats in the last podcast when I was talking about Jonas taking his mother Hannah back to 1987 and seeing Mikkel there in Ines Kahnwald's care. Okay, into episode 3. I think this was a very, very nice episode. I give it an A+. Especially the scenes between old Claudia and her younger dad, Egon, in 1954. Very touchy scene that she is apologizing to her younger father. And followed by the scene with Egon at home with his daughter, looking into her eyes, seeing the two different eye colors and then hearing from his child the same phrase that the older Claudia just told him. Also the scene between old Claudia and Agnes Nielsen, so the 1957 Agnes Nielsen, and Claudia is telling her that she should take care of her mother because her mother really loves Agnes. Another very touchy scene is the scene between the older Claudia and the 1987 Claudia in the nuclear plant. And also the last scene, so where Claudia is looking from these woods and seeing with tears in her eyes, actually her daughter being in her 40s and dying of cancer. And I want to give credit to Lisa Kreutzer, who is playing the older Claudia. I think we do a bad job with this German Netflix, because if we are talking about other series and uh, giving feedback about them, we very often also call the names of the actors, whereas here in this German Netflix series, or perhaps even series from other countries, we just say things like the actress that plays Katerina or the actress that plays Marta, etc. I think they earn more credit than that. Okay, another topic is Egon Tiedemann as police officer. I thought he was a little silly and not the brightest star, although he has a daughter that runs a nuclear plant, but whatever. I think he is much brighter and much has much more insight than we initially thought, and especially in this episode we see this. He is not so silly as he looked like. Although Ulrich is telling him that in this psychiatric institution, something like, you still don't get it. Well, I think eventually he gets more than Ulrich thinks. Completely different topic. Of course, it's very interesting to find out that Noah and Agnes Nielsen are brother and sister. And that they don't like each other. So it looks like they are on a different side of things. Also something special to discover in this episode that Agnes Nielsen in 1950, in the 1950s is fully aware of time travel. And I'm still wondering who Tronta Nielsen's father is. And another thing is, of course, not uh, I mean, Claudia is born out of this, but we also don't know who the father of Regina is. So is that Tronta? Because... Claudia and Tronta had an affair. And there are more relationships like that. Like who the hell is Peter Doppler's mother? 
with whom did this silly Helga get a child? And actually quite a bright child, although we don't know if Helga is not the brightest light as said in this episode by his mother, and certainly after his injury not anymore, that he gets an academic son, because uh, Peter Doppler is a psychologist. And what about the phrase in the end uh, from Noah saying something about Charlotte? I mean, I haven't seen any relation between Charlotte and Noah so far. Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. You announced that this series will get quite a strain of straight A's from the both of you. I really wonder if this is one you will give it a plus even, like I did. Greets, Fred. All right, so uh, as you and I both know, Fred is planning to come to the United States uh, in October, and the plan is for us to get together. And, you know, beyond that, uh, maybe a little recording session. I guess we'll, we'll see when the time finally arrives, but definitely looking forward to that. Um, now, Fred gives the episode an A+. Plus. I, I'm certainly going A. Yeah, A. Yeah. And, I don't, don't and, really and, do A pluses. Right. Maybe season finales and and sometimes season premieres. It is a damn good episode, though. It was really good. It pushes so many storylines forward. There's just, you know, the the intricacy of it, the the acting. And and Fred brings up in, in the feedback the fact that we don't refer to the actors by their actual names is probably something that we should try to remedy. I, you know, you mentioned the actor that plays 2020 Ulrich uh, by name. And, yeah. uh, yeah, so and the only reason I knew is that something. is because I was looking it up to try and figure out, like, you know, I was searching for photos of him to try and, and see if we got took with that old trailer. So, um, right. So, uh, Fred, yeah, I think you're right about that. That is something that we need to. Uh, do a better job. Uh, I, I'm terrible <laughs> with it. I I I never know the actors' names really, um, unless you know, like they're famous American or Canadian actors. But I think you do actually a decent job of mentioning, at least trying to mention the actors and actresses' names every once in a while. But I'm off right. But as you as you said, I, I don't want to make an excuse. I think the reason, and it's probably not a very good reason, is that the actors in dark are not likely to come across our paths again once dark ends. And that is probably not a good enough reason, but you did get an answer about your question about the word douchebag in Germany. (laughs) So, uh, you know, Fred does mention that, which is, is uh, pretty awesome. A lot of emotional and and as Fred says, well-played scenes, and yeah, I, I mean, the acting, look, we talk all the time about the casting directors. And, and I think somebody mentions this in the Facebook group, what a great job they do finding actors of different ages that really look like the individuals, but the acting is just so good. And even though the English audio dubbing, 
you know, creates a little bit of a disconnect, it doesn't matter because they're just so good. It would be nice if the dubbing was a little better, but but that's okay. You know, the scenes with with Egon and his daughter, you know, again, as we mentioned, when, when she's 80 and then, of course, when she's a child, just just really outstanding. Yeah, well, yeah, we've mentioned before, and it's no doubt, like, it's just, and especially, like, it's it's funny to see how many people still are saying, like, how they thought the actor playing, and I know I'm saying, <laughs> just what we say we can do better, uh, playing the older Ulrich, how much he looks like the younger guy, you know, it's just crazy, um, you know, like, you, the first time you think it's just the younger guy in makeup, but it's not, it's different dude so. right well that well that's what i said last week and you yeah. had fortunately looked it up so so you knew that he, he also mentions the fact that it's really refreshing to see egon in a i think fred uses the word brighter in, in other words he he's more intellectual than we've seen him he is figuring things out he is being a good cop and the way we see him in so much of season one again it's really nice to see him in this uh you know in this different approach as he is figuring things out whether he's going to make the leap to time travel uh you know i i guess we'll see you know he also mentions a lot of the parentage questions that that we mentioned during the uh the discussion and as you point out noah saying something about charlotte uh, what the heck and uh I'm hoping that that's something that gets addressed in episode four relatively quickly, but uh, I guess I will have to wait yeah. to find I out. I mean, that's just such a big, like, hammer to the side of the head. You're just like, what? Charlotte, like, what the hell? Because, you know, if anything, we've seen her as being not really central to this, right? She doesn't know about, like, the time travel her her husband does. But but she doesn't, you know. She, she's we see her as the investigator, the the kid looking at the um, the birds and trying to figure out what's going on, you know. So we haven't really seen her as being at the center of this. And all of a sudden, it seems like when Noah mentions her, we're just like, wait, what? You know. So yeah, that that was a big loop de loop. Yeah. So it sounds like you and I are both going to go with a straight A. Yep. And hopefully Fred won't do what so many of our students have done throughout the years. Well, what do I need to do to get an A plus? Yeah. <laughs> right. I need a better A. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, I'm not sure I can quantify it. I, I just will say this, that I considered it. But again, I think I'm coming over to your approach which is that you're going to reserve the a plus you know it's almost like i forget the supreme court justice when he was asked to define obscenity he said i can't really define it but i know it when i see it right (laughs) and i I think that's almost like the a plus it's difficult Uh to quantify but you know it when you see it so yeah but I, i would say for what we've seen of dark so far this year that if i were to give like this is might be the best episode of this season so far. Yes, I agree. So, um, 
you know, and I, I don't, I'm, I might have toyed with an A plus, but yeah, it's just like not, and, and there's no, I can't explain any reason why I wouldn't give it an A plus because it was awesome. It was such a great episode from top to bottom and so well written and so well directed. Everything just like it's a normal episode of Dark where not where it's just so complex and it just leaves your brain just spinning. Um, it's just really good. So, all right. Uh, anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, nope. I don't think so. Okay. okay. Uh, thank you, Fred. Great stuff as always. And I guess we'll leave it there. And that's going to do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about dark, uh, the magicians, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group and share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. If you're already a member, spread the word, bring people into the group. Emails to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to continue our discussion of Dark with the Season 2, Episode 4, titled The Travelers. But until then... You know, I, I just came up with a, a good idea for the state of Colorado their their new state motto uh, should be out there there are still tender buds to be plucked